Welcome to another episode of the Could You Please podcast. Abrupt cut off in the music. I don't give a shit, dude. I don't give a shit. What do you think I care? You think I care? Welcome to another episode of the Could You Please podcast. This episode is brought to you by Moxor. Head over to Moxor.com. Let me tell you guys something about Moxor. Uh, Moxor is a omega-3 company. It's derived out of a plant found specially in New Zealand, right? Can't find it anywhere else in the world. And so omega-3, you probably think fish oil, and I get it. Fish oil is cool. Uh, but Moxor is a little bit a little bit more special, right? So it's found in New Zealand. It's derived out of a plant of the sea. And it's way stronger than fish oil is. So head over to Moxor.com. Use the checkout code TOASTY, T-O-A-S-T-Y, and that'll give you a little discount, dude. Give it a try, because once you give it a try, you'll realize it's it's God's miracle drug, boy. It's God's miracle drug, okay? Now, my dog's freaking out. He's over on, uh, he's on the couch ripping up a bone. He's over there ripping up a bone and growling, and you know, like... I wish, man. Wouldn't it be cool? Oh, that's my shoe. Hold on. Wait. He's got my shoe. Hey! Hey! You can't chew up that, dude. Bro. You can't chew up my shoe. You can't chew. Bruh. Woo! Okay. So it turns out he had my shoe, not a bone. And uh, we got that handled. Uh, now he's torpedoing around the living room like a mad dog. Uh, three laps and I think he's good. Anyways, welcome back, my doggies. I'm so happy to be with you. So happy to be with you. I've been really freaking busy the past week. Uh, we're going to record three episodes of Cheap Shot Discussions with Caden Thompson or Dallas Weaver. <clears throat> Again, that's Cheap Shot Discussion with Dallas Weaver and Caden Thompson. Um, and... You know, it's been stressful, I'm not going to lie. But that's half my fault. The first episode we recorded, his mic wasn't on. And that's my fault. Uh, the second episode is now live. And now we have to re-record the first episode, which is cool. That's totally cool. It's fine. Whatever. But anyways, welcome the hell back. We are going to talk about some great things today because great things are meant to be said. And it's kind of ironic because I'm actually sipping on alcohol and I promised somebody, I didn't really promise, but I said I wouldn't drink alcohol. But the fact that there's alcohol in my freezer means that it's got to get through, I got to get through that before I can commit to anything, right? Now, I could dump it down the uh, the sink but honestly, knowing the person I am right now, I would go buy more like a dumbass. So I've worked my way down. I've started dosing myself down, bruh. And we're slowly, slowly making it to a, uh, a much lower level. But what we're going to talk about today, and I asked, I asked somebody what we should talk about today. And you know what? That's what we're going to talk about, okay? So, what I want to talk about, and I thought about this a lot, dude. I thought about this. I thought about this a shit ton, dude. 
and that is uh and maybe it's because she said it in the context she did but the idea of a higher power being uh you know how we use different substances to uh substitute a higher power and the second that we include a higher power um you know the higher power kind of takes precedence over some of these substances that we think that are benefiting us or suppressing certain thoughts we don't want to have at the point whatever and i've thought about this a lot even before i met her um in her current state especially is that how much do we use these substances, alcohol, weed, um, amphetamines, whether that be Adderall or maybe depressants like Xanax, uh, hydros, whatever, opi- like whatever it could be, <clears throat> whatever drug you want to put in, um, is that a substitute for a higher power? And I guess... My idea behind that is that, look, here's my idea of what God is, all right? This is my idea of what God is in my head, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right, but for me, my personal belief is that we are all part of God. We're all like a little slice of the pie, okay? And the decisions that we make, the decisions we make can be of God, quote-unquote, Right, I think a lot of the Bible and a lot of what we think of as God is analogy. But I think the idea of heaven and hell is based very much on this earth. And you have the decision to live in either or of what you want, depending on the people you hang around, depending on the choices you make. Uh, I believe a lot in frequency. So even though I believe that we're, we all have the potential to act as God, quote-unquote, we also have the potential of acting as the devil, quote unquote. And it all depends on the activities that you're doing to increase or decrease your frequency. That's my belief, man. So I believe like, um, I guess I believe that the people that you surround yourself with and the activities that you're doing really dictate whether you are happy or not. And if you look at it from uh, from God, right? It's it's good missing an O. Uh, evil is devil missing the D, right? So God and the devil, good and evil, and really that comes down to perception, I guess. But this is what I can tell you for sure. Alcohol does not make me a good person. It cr- it makes me a spontaneous and like, but it also makes me, um, I don't want to say destructive, but impulsive. Okay. I have said things to people under the influence of alcohol that I would probably not say uh, sober. I've had thoughts on alcohol that I would never have sober okay and uh when i look at the reason that i drink alcohol or why i turn to it it really is out of a sense of insecurity in some sense right you go to a bar you're not feeling like you feel uncomfortable there's tons of new people around you feel like on edge 
Let's get some beers, right? That's the first go-to. And, you know, maybe my perception might be a little bit different. I didn't drink until I was uh, 21, which is French for 21. I didn't drink until I was 21. And the fact that I didn't drink until I was 21 made me realize that, you know, drinking was... Um, it started out as like not being an issue and started out being like, okay, I'll, I'll just drink every now and then just because I can. I'm 21 now. So I got some Guinness. Now, let me tell you about the first time I got some Guinness. I went to Walmart, right? I don't know the liquor laws, dude. I go in there at like 2 a.m. trying to buy some Guinness and the lady at Walmart's like, I can't tell you this this hour. I'm like, why not? That's a law. You know, my face gets all red. I'm a young kid. I'm all embarrassed. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Can you take it? Can you put it back for me? And she's like, yes, I can. I'm like, thank you so much. I was like, well, you're welcome. So then the next day I went back and got some Guinness and I drank it nasty as shit I've ever drank, dude. I put all the other cans like away, put it in the closet. I'm like, I'm never drinking again. Then I went to a liquor store for the first time and I bought Jack. Jack Daniels. And uh, I drank like, not even kidding you, I drank like six, seven shots and did not feel anything. I just remember being really tired and I went to bed. And then over the years of drinking, so 21, now I'm 24, just, you know, three, four years. And it slowly creeps up on you as being more socially acceptable. The people around you start drinking more just because they're coping with their uh, the things they're going through at the time. Um, and everyone kind of turns to that as the socially acceptable way of dealing with your problems. Now, does that make it right? Mm, probably not. Probably not. But at the same time, being consciously aware of it... Um, being everywhere around you kind of paints a perception of like, holy shit, everyone's drinking. And it took, it took me a long time to look at like the big picture of like, wow, most of my friends work all week. Uh, just for the weekends, like just to have a drink, just to get drunk, just to get plastered, go out to the club and get some fucking action, get some dick or JJ, you know, whatever you want to get or both, you know, I'm not judging, but at the same time, you know, would most of these people even have the confidence of going out to these places without alcohol in the first place? And I really don't think so. When I was out clubbing, when I was out partying and going to all these things, I genuinely felt like one of the most secure people there, not in the sense of like, my looks or like who I was pulling, but the person I was. And I had no problem like freely walking the club and like going up and uh, like to the VIP, like no problem at all by myself because I felt like everyone in that place was fucking insecure as shit, man. And I think a lot of the times, uh, and whether you believe in God or yourself or whatever, I think the ability to know your worth or know that there's something greater than just 
being in this present moment. Uh, that's impactful, man. That really is impactful. I was walking around that club, like, I guess I went up into the VIP, act, like, section three times. And there's, like, bodyguards and, like, bouncers or whatever keeping people out. I made it in there three times, dude. I don't know how I did it. Granted, I'm not saying I was sober. Uh, but I think the fact that I waited so long to drink made me really understand that drinking was a crutch. Drinking was uh, an addition, right? Same thing with sex, man. I waited a long time. I wasn't until my 20s until I lost my virginity. But at the same time, it made me realize that the person I am is greater than the sex I'll ever have, right? That's an addition, an addition to the person I am, dude. Right? If I'm going to dick someone down, it's not out of insecurity. Right? And that's a problem, dude. That's a problem. Everyone uses, okay, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, cigarettes, sex, uh, weed, cocaine, any of it, dude. Any drug you can think of. I mean, fuck even caffeine, dude. It's to mask a feeling of something else, right? Caffeine, for example. Caffeine is a uh, it's a stimulant. It's the most used drug in America, I'd say. And we're so quick to use it because we make poor decisions and we lack on sleep. So we stop sleeping. Uh, you know, we might sleep like four to six hours a night, but at the same time have carbohydrates right before going to bed. Then you wake up in that groggy feeling. You're like, oh God, I need caffeine. It feeds into the system, man. It really does. It sounds fucking crazy. It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy, dude. But at the same time, it's true. Like you, you sit here and you, uh, you know, me personally, like how many of us drink a gram of caffeine every day? In one energy drink, there's like 300 milligrams, man. Me personally, I have my uh, iced Americano in the morning and I'm just sipping it, dude. I'm just sipping it like a disrespectful savage. And I sip that all the way to work and I keep sipping it during work and I'm just sipping, sipping, sipping. And then, uh, you know, it gets to a point where you're like, oh, shit, a couple hours later you go get a... Uh, energy drink You're like okay i need energy i need energy i feel like shit i need energy i need energy anytime we feel like shit we need energy five hour energy give me two <laughs> so you get your two hour energies five hour energies and you drink them and you feel like shit because you have anxiety after that you smoke some weed to get rid of the anxiety then you're a little bit too deep, so then you uh, you know, you start ordering food you don't need. And it just piles on each other, especially mixed with alcohol. Like all of these things we use as coping mechanisms, man. All of these things we use as coping mechanisms. And it's crazy. And I'm not sitting here saying like I'll ever give up alcohol or weed or, or whatever, but at the same time I'm sitting here thinking there needs to be a great balance in everything and there needs to be discipline with everything. There needs to be absolute discipline and balance between every single thing you do in life. And, uh, 
you know, I'm not going to lie. Some of the best conversations I've ever had with my parents have been under the influence of, of alcohol or weed. And, and, um, I don't know. I would have broke that loop without those substances. But at the same time, I realize there are certain people out there that don't use these substances in moderation. There are people out there that use these substances as a escape, as a mask to the person they are. And let me just say this, discovering the person you are can be scary as shit, dude. It can be scary as shit. And people will look at you strange. Like, I remember when I turned 18 and there was a, a period in my 20s where I would go out all the time and I would go to parties and, and uh, bars and go out and do all of these things. And then I took an extended break to really study who I was. I took a, a break to write journals and read and really explore my thoughts and meditate and learn yoga. And the second I did that, it's like more people were attracted to me. But it wasn't because I was focusing on going out and doing things. It was because I really focused on myself. Um, and I think that's what's lacking nowadays. And not enough people look at themselves in the mirror and believe, hey, holy shit, like I've been going down this path, but I could really do anything I want. And I don't even know what happened to me. I don't know if I got hit in the head. I don't know if I fell down, hit my head hard. Uh, but somewhere along the line, I realized like, holy shit, if I can just separate myself from the garbage, if I can separate myself from the people that are making bad decisions, even though they may be going through their own thing and I might want to help them, they have to realize it for themselves for it to be meaningful. So the second I realize it, I can start setting the example for other people to follow. And quite honestly, without this girl coming back into my life and telling me these things, I don't know if I would have had these thoughts. And that just kind of paints the picture of it, right? When I met this girl, I remember distinctly telling her I wanted to quit alcohol. And she was like, I remember her distinctly saying like, ha, not me or something like that, right? And then the paradigm shifts. And that uh, that example really does set a precedence for something that I wanted to do in the first place. And the, and the person that I told that I wanted this to happen reciprocated by actually living what I said I was going to do. And it sets an example, dude. And that's really what it comes down to is setting the example. You want to change someone's fucking life, dude? Do it yourself, right? You got to do it yourself. Because the second you start doing it, you really do inspire people to follow suit. Anyways, back to a silly guy. And, and, and back to fun. And back to fun. Right? And back to fun. Because that's what we're here to do on Could You Please. We're going to have a good, a, a, a silly goose time. A silly, silly, silly goose time, dude. Oh, I need to get out of the house though more. Like that is something I genuinely need to do. Even though I've been working my ass off. Right. Oh, God. Speaking of working ass off, I need to go to the gym. But it, 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 besides that, besides working ass off, I have been working my ass off to achieve my dreams, dude. And you know what? This past weekend, I drove all the way up to Bountiful because there was a Hellcat Challenger. And you know what, baby? That is, uh, I'm not going to lie with you. I was taught never to be materialistic. I was taught to always give to other people. I was taught to be humble. 
But at the same time, God damn it, I want to challenge your Hellcat. I want it so bad. And, uh, you know, previously in my, in my life, I've owned so many cars, dude. I really have. For my age, I'm 24. I've owned like a, a Scion FRS. I've owned a Subaru BRZ. I have owned a Chrysler 300C. I owned some old Pontiacs. I owned uh, two old Pontiacs, and I've owned a, uh, a Ford Bronco 2. Um, uh, another Scion. Like, I've been through quite a few cars, right? It's something I really, really am passionate about. And every single time that I wanted one of those cars, I did the same thing. I went to the dealership and I looked at it. Like the cars out of my reach, especially like the Bronco two was kind of like an impulsive thing. My first couple cars fine. But when it came to nice cars that were out of my budget, I went to the dealership every day, right? I went to the dealership every single day and I looked at that car. And every single fucking time I've gotten that car and the car I'm looking at now is a Hellcat. I went and looked at a pre-owned one, which is used. It's about $51,000, which seems like a lot of money. But in reality, you look at it like millions of these fucks going around America. Hundreds of thousands of these people can afford this. Why can't I? And it's really painting that perception. And it's really... uh, you know, determining your self-worth as to whether you're capable of getting that or not. And the, oh, ah! (laughs) the only reason, dude, that people don't get it is because they don't believe it themselves. They don't believe that they can get it themselves, dude. So I'm out here going to car dealerships that are $51,000 for a used car, whatever, right? I don't give a fuck about the money. It's about what I want. And if you get if you chase what you want, the money will come, man. The money will come. You just got to keep chasing what you want. And by the time I get that money, who knows? Like I, I'll straight up be honest with you guys. I want a Challenger Hellcat Red Eye Edition, which is basically a uh, it's a it's a demon. It's a Dodge Challenger demon that has been put into a Charger, which is the four door version. And it has been tuned for the street instead of drag racing. So it's a beast. It has 797 horsepower. It is a beast, dude. Wide body, like... And there's something to be said, like, I, I miss my 300C so much. Just the... bit, Like, it's so comfy and, like, absorbs all the bumps. And it's just glorious, man. It just feels like a road king. You're driving down the road and you're like, Oh, I hope no one tries to cut me off. Uh, because I'll just plow through them and they'll go flying to the moon or like, you know, you, it's very, uh, you just take up a, you feel very safe in the car and you got power. Plus I just want it. Do I care that it gets 13 miles to the gallon? No, I don't give a shit, dude. Just make more money. That's a problem with my generation, dude. People are like cutting back on money. I don't want to spend money on this. I don't want to spend money on this. I'm going to cut back on this so I can save. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Get the fuck out of here. You think you're going to be... You, <laughs> you think you're going to work your way to a life where you don't have to worry about money by saving money? You really think that, dude. You really think that? No, that's not the secret. Make more fucking money. That's the secret. Make more fucking money. 
And anyone who has been in like an entrepreneurial role or a position where they're making money for themselves doing business understands that money is an abundance. Like there's so much money out there. It's extracting the money for yourself. So for these people who think like, and especially me, dude, I look at work and going to a 40 hour work week at a job, making somebody else money. Like fuck that dude. Fuck that. And I'm so grateful for the jobs that I've had that have provided me a paycheck where I can fund the projects I want to succeed in. But at the same time, the idea of retiring with a corporation should disgrace you. You should look in the mirror and be like, anyone who's ever started a company in their lifetime has just been a human. So if they're just a human being, why can't it be you? Why can't you hire other people? And the whole idea behind, and this is my personal opinion, I'm going to go into a rant about it, and that's fine, is that if you are an employer, if you're a boss, your whole priority should be to develop people below you to supersede you. You should want people below you to create their own business and, and be their own success. The shitty bosses want you to work for them forever because you make them money. And that's not right, dude. That's not right. Train the people. For any of you listening out there, for you know, maybe you're a manager, supervisor, whatever, you should be treating your employees like you're training them to be better than you. You should be training them. Act like you're training them to be your boss. Don't treat them like slaves. Don't treat them like you're... That's a problem with management, man. Dictation. Listen to your employees, right? The bottom level employees, the people that deal with the real nitty gritty, know more than the top executive. Listen to them. And the more you listen, the more you'll get out of it. And I don't know how I got into that rabbit hole, but here we are. We're back. We're back. Guys, I've been thinking a lot about the acting uh, audition I went to, right? Uh, I went to this acting audition, and it was just so Hollywood in the sense that I felt like they degraded everything I did, even though it may have been okay or like decent. They make you feel like you're a piece of shit. You're at the mercy of the talent agency to make your success. And let me just say this. With the age of YouTube and uh, the internet and everything you have available to you to put yourself out there, there's no reason to go to these fucking dumbass talent agencies. If you have actual talent, actual talent, you don't need an agency to promote your talent. You just need to perform your talent and put it out there. And it may take longer but at least you won't have to give 15 to 20% to some dumbass uh, who probably won't even uh, get you your full potential. So, McCart- McCarty Talent Agency, McCarthy, whatever the fuck. SMD, bro. I don't need you. I don't need you. I'm out here doing my own thing with my doggies on my podcast. And he's like, he's like, let me... Uh, how about you send in some voice acting stuff and I'll tell you if it's good or not. How about this? WW, visit www.suckmydick.com And you can sign up there for the newsletter, right? I don't need to prove myself. I'm out here doing my shit, dog. 
I'm out here doing my shit. I'd rather learn from people, dude. Like, I'd rather learn from people who've been through acting and, like, ask them questions and be like, what's this like? What's that like? I'm not going to go to fucking acting school, dude. I might as well put my fucking uh, mouth in a perfect circle and just bob it up and down. Plus, you have to reach the uh, you have to reach the decision of if you're gonna suck a dick or not as a man. And let me tell you something right now. I've talked to a lot of men. Here's the funny thing: I've talked to a lot of men in the industry, and they said they would suck a dick for a million, dude. <laughs> you suck a dick for a million dollars, dude. Do you know how? <laughs> Do you know how little a million dollars is? And you would put another man's rod in your mouth? You've degraded yourself to to little person. Especially as a man, dude. If you're a chick, I get it, dude. Like, if I went to it, let me tell you something right now. If I went to an audition and there was a, hey, stop squeaking the toy, dude. Stop squeaking that toy, huh? If I went to an audition and Megan Fox was there and she's like, hey, look at my tits. If you suck on these, I'll give you a movie role. I'd be like, oh, no. Oh, my God. I have to do that? I'm going to imagine this is the same thing with a woman, right? He, like, walks in and, like, Brad Pitt's there and he takes out his stick and he's like, get to going. He'd be like, okay. And I don't blame you for that. It's just like, imagine you walk into this old dude, he's like 65 years old, and he's like, oh, hi, James. Tell you what, I'll give you this movie role if you suck me dry. And James is like, okay, I'll do it. Anything for a movie and fame. (laughs) And if you're gay, you're gay. That's fine. Go ahead and, and, uh, you know, go after it. But if you're a straight dude going after roles and you suck another dude off for a role. Oh, God, dude. I don't even want to say what you are. I don't even want to say what you are. Not for a million, not for 10 million, dude. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit, right? Because I have muscle and I'm a man. God damn it. Just kidding. Yeah, it's just my own personal choice, dude. But I find that people give in to their own personal beliefs way too fucking easy. Way too fucking easy. If I walk into an old-ass man's room and he has a casting couch, I'm going to look at him in the eye, and if one of them's half-closed and he has that kind of weird twinkle in his eye, I'm going to turn around and fucking leave, dude. I'm out. Right? I ain't fitting to get the slender shaft. I'm fitting to make some money. And uh, that's that's the vibe I got from the talent agency I went to. It's just like this this idea of like, we're the overlords that will give you success. Fuck yourselves. Stick my... The only place you can stick my penis is up your nostril. Okay? You're going to get brain fucked by how successful I am. Uzi, stop squeaking the toy, dude. I'm so serious about that. Uzi, I swear to God, if you don't stop, I'll be so upset.
Anyway. Oh, God, guys. Life is strange, huh? 24 years old. I'm a quarter of the way done with my life. Probably a little bit past that, right? And it's so weird. Like, we're living in such weird times. We're living in times where, like, robots are delivering packages and you can get one day shipping anywhere. Remember, in the 70s and 80s, you had to go to these things called, uh, oh, my God, what are they? I think they're called, like, stores. You had to go to, like, stores to buy things. And now you can just order it online. It will literally be there the next day. I ordered this supplement called GABA. It's like a relaxer. It makes you just relax as shit. Oosie! Hold on. I got to go take this toy away from him. Hey! All right. So I took it away from him. I really don't know what I was talking about, but that's okay. How are you babies doing? How are you uh, little doggies doing? What are you guys, you know, and I want to apologize to a lot of my friends out there because I know quite a few of you listen to this podcast. I know I may appear as a recluse. I may appear as like dissonant, but really what I'm focusing on is a better future. And, um, you know, a lot of my better future doesn't include going to bars, going to, going to events that don't make me money, dude. Really. And, and that sounds like really bad. And you're like, oh my god, Ken, you should really enjoy yourself. You're only young once. I'm not going to be working a 40-hour work week my whole life, my doggies. I'm just not. So for me to waste my 20s going to concerts and parties and all of this bullshit is really just a stab in my back. It's, it's stabbing myself in the back with a machete. Right? I know what I want. I want to have a big house. I want to have the cars I want to have. I want to be able to provide for the family that I'm going to have one day. And if you think going out and partying is the best way to prepare for that, that's your own prerogative, man. But let me tell you this. I was raised by very poor parents. Poor parents that made poor decisions throughout their entire lives. And it really set the example to me that I don't want that for my kids. Because I fucking struggled, dude. Anything, and I was provided for very well. My family provided me food and all of uh, shelter, all this shit. But if I wanted to go out and say like, hey, I want to go do jujitsu. It costs 200 a month. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Where are we going to get that money from? It's not happening, dude. And my idea is that money should be used as a, um, money is a barrier for a lot of people. And it's a barrier for them not to do what they want to do. And my idea is that if my kids want to do something, like if they have an interest, like, dad, I want to go do whatever the fuck. I'm like, no problem. I'll support you 100%. It's not even a worry. I don't want to hear money. I don't want them to hear the word money. Right? And I had this discussion with uh, my coworker. And that, like, how are we going to, uh, how are we going to raise kids or whatever? And his idea was, I want to raise kids to be hard worker. I want to have them mow lawn for money, wash windows, all this shit. And I get it. I get that to a certain extent. Give them a small amount of money, but that's such a middle-class mentality. It's such a middle-class mentality, dude. This is how you make your kid a strong person. You say, I'm going to give them a loan from the bank of dad for 500 bucks. And the interest rate is 10%. So when you pay me back, I expect to have 550 bucks. 
and you help them, you show them how to create a sustainable income from a small amount of money. And you rob your kids blind and get a free 50 bucks, dude. You have your kids make money for you. But <laughs> other than that, it's instilling the value that they don't have to go to somebody else's workplace to make a paycheck. The whole idea of getting a little paycheck every two weeks is fucking bullshit, man. It really is. You want to see the devil? Go work at someone else's company 40 hours a week for 65 years. That's what the devil looks like. So my idea is that if I can teach my kids how to make money their own way and how to give as well, because I think giving is probably the most important thing of all time. If you don't give, uh, you're not putting enough energy out there that reciprocates into um, positive reinforcement and positive give back. If you want to truly make a difference in people's lives, you should use the money that you make and dump that back into what you believe in. And that's what I'm working for. You know, I went to uh, Charlie's Chicken a couple days ago, and I'm still a little bit conflicted about this, to be honest with you. It was raining. I was driving there. Best night I've had in years. I put up a new site for uh, Wally Wallet which is a company that I'm kind of still experimenting with and doing the Shopify thing and kind of messing around with. And I posted it and I was just so positive and so happy. And I remember thinking, this is going to pay for my Challenger Hellcat. This is going to pay for it. This is it. And I drove to Charlie's Chicken and I saw two or three other Challenger Hellcats. Like I rarely see them and I saw three on the way there. And I actually parked next to one. I was like, holy shit, it's manifesting, it's for real. And as I was sitting, as I was sitting, I got a new Twitter follower, shout out to at Shazmir Simanto, shout out. And as I was sitting in Charlie's Chicken waiting for my food, this lady walks in just drenched, dude. Goes up to the counter, goes up to the counter, and uh, turns out, you know, she asked for a bathroom to go wash up. Totally get it. She's soaked. Goes back there, washes up, comes back out. First person she talks to is me. Very first person. I'm I'm sitting in the middle of the restaurant. It's not like I was convenient to talk to. She walks up to me and says, can you buy me food? And I didn't hear her at first. I was like, what? What was that? And kind of mumble. Why you buy me food? Like, excuse me? Will you buy me food? And right there I made a decision. And I don't know what this decision was made out of. I don't know if it was cold-heartedness or tough love. But I told her no. I told her no. I can't do that for you right now. And she walked away. And after that, the next couple hours I really thought about it. I thought about... Everyone's down on their luck. Everybody, like, I should have done it. I totally should have done it. I should have bought that person food. But at the same time, the toughest lessons in fucking life have to be learned the hard way. And if I would have bought that person food, the next person would have bought her food, whatever. It's a sustainable lifestyle of learning that Everyone is going to take care of you no matter what. And maybe that's hard of me. Maybe that's cold-hearted, but that's kind of my personal belief.
I believe that buying her food in that moment would have weakened her as a person. And quite frankly, me detracting from the money that I have to feed this person who is deliberately living on the streets. And let me say this. 90% of homeless people live on the streets because it's a break from the fucking bills and the house payments and the car payments, cell phone, whatever. Big mental break. And you ask any of them. There's jobs out there. 100% there's jobs out there. And I have to look at it this way, man. There are going to be decisions in your life that you have to make that are going to conflict with what you believe or like how you perceive things. And you really have to make a decision. Looking back, I wish I would have been in a position where I could just be like, yeah, I'm going to buy you anything you want. Go ahead. But at the same time, that person's not going to learn the fundamental values of what it takes to sacrifice for something and go through something fucking hard that you don't want to achieve something that you do. Right? I've almost been homeless several times, dude. I've had to give up things. I've had to do things I didn't want to do. I fucking suffered. I had to fucking suffer, dude, to get to where I wanted to be, whether you see it or not. I worked in warehouses with felons, dude, because it was the only job I could get to get money. I wasn't a felon. I hadn't been charged with shit. But I had to work in warehouses doing manual labor because that was the alternative to being fucking homeless. And you know what? I got that job in two seconds because I took some initiative. Thinking with feelings is important. And it's important to be sympathetic to the people that are around you. But at the same time, to be the most sympathetic, to give somebody the most, you don't give them a fish, you teach them how to fish. And by me feeding into the food, it just becomes another habit of the person trying to find someone vulnerable for food. And I know a lot of you are going to look at me as cold-hearted right now, but I honestly believe that the best thing you can do for somebody when they're struggling is refuse to meet that need. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be generous with your money. You absolutely should. But for the people that beg, you should have enough love in your heart to say no. Because if you don't say no, they will never learn that it's not a sustainable lifestyle to live on the streets, to avoid bills, and beg people for money because you know they have it. It's just not acceptable. Um, working in security, I've had a lot of time to talk to a lot of homeless people. And most of them say to me, I don't want a job because I don't want to do what somebody else tells me to do. <laughs> They're salespeople just like anyone else. They're salespeople just like anyone else. They just take advantage of people like you and me because we have good hearts. And if you want to have the best heart, you need to refuse what they ask. Be generous to those who need the money. Be generous. But the fact of the matter is, you decided to live on the street by not having a job. Cool. I also know a lot of people that are financially obligated that pay almost all of their paycheck to bills. Okay. These people may have houses. They may have all of these cars and lavish things, 
but they're also working 80 to 60 hours a week and putting all that money towards this pointless shit. And they're in misery too. They're in just as much misery, okay? And uh, again, I'm going to come off as as cold-hearted with this. And people are like, you don't know the struggle of being homeless. You don't know. I've had to live in my car a couple days before. It's not fun. But it inspired the hell out of me to get something different. And I always figured it out, man. And I would never have figured it out if my parents would have come along and been like, here's a couple thousand bucks. Pay your rent. Never would have figured it out. Uh, And back to fun. And back to fun again. Right? And back to fun. God, man. I get on these tangents and uh, I'm passionate about it. Could you please? Could you please podcast? Dude, it's weird. This is like episode number 14 or 15. And for some reason, you fucks keep listening. And I love you so much. You guys are the reason I keep doing this. And I, there's a driving force. And we talked about God or higher being in the in the beginning. I was told that if I keep doing this thing, man, it's going to amount to something. And I keep doing it. And some days I don't want to do it. And I remember that I'm just talking to people, man. I'm just putting my voice out. How fucking hard can that be? It costs like a couple hundred bucks to get up and going. Oh, I had to, you know, you sell a couple ass. You go out on the corner, sell some ass for one night. And you have enough money. Go do Uber, whatever, whatever you got to do. Don't sell ass though. Don't sell ass. Not going to lead to anything good, but anyways, go sell baseball cards. Go sell your Yu-Gi-Oh collection. Go sell Pokemon. Go play poker. Do something. Get some money. Sell a product, man. Your value is what you set it as. And if you set it as low, you're going to always be low. Um, But it still haunts me kind of. Like a part of me looks back at that homeless person and says, damn it, I wish I would have paid. I wish I would have paid for that person. Because even though I said like I'm not in a, I can't do it right now, I was in a position I could have done it. I was in a position that I could have done it, but I personally felt like the place that she was in and the place that I was in, uh, it was more beneficial for me to turn her down. Because if I would not have, the behavior could have continued. And um, I just think you should always be good to people, but always be cautious to the people that want to take advantage of you. And the more emotionally intelligent you are to those type of things, the more you'll uh, you'll be able to kind of sift through the bullshit. Because there are so many people out there that want to take advantage of you because you look a certain way or like they know you make certain money, whatever it could be. There are going to be people that want to take advantage of you. And you have to kind of make the decision like... If you're a poor person constantly giving all of your money to other poor people, you're going to stay in poverty. But if you're able to rise above that, you're able to contribute so much more than what you would have been able to just by focusing on yourself. And that's taught us narcissism, but I'm going to I'm going to argue that, man. The more narcissistic you are in the beginning, the more you can give back to a broader group of people in the future. And you can disagree with me. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. You're you and you're and I'm me, man. 
Um, I just believe if you take the time to focus on yourself, build yourself up, accumulate wealth, you're going to be able to make much more of a difference than if you were poor and giving all your money away to other poor people. Right? You can give a man a fish and feed him for a day. Or you can teach a man to fish. You can feed him for a lifetime. And that's all I have for you, doggies. I love you guys. I'll see you next... Well, I'll see you whenever I see you. I'll see you next episode on the Could You Please podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, doggies. Peace.